Sweet, it's so good to be here. Thank you. Um, I am honored to be here and to share this word with you. As Chris said, we're in this series talking about why we do the things that we do as we gather. We're going to be talking about why we take communion, why we sit under God's word and read the Bible out loud. Um, And last week we looked at why do we gather in general. And like you said today, I'm talking about why we sing together. And I was first given the microphone and a guitar and allowed to sing and lead a group of people in singing when I was 14 years old. And uh, I I don't think I probably should have been given the chance then, but I was. And I'm 34 now, and I've been doing this a long time. And so I feel a real privilege, actually, to share some thoughts with you today about why we sing in church and what we're doing as we sing. And if you've been at The Way for long, um, you'll know we spend real amounts of time in singing. Uh, At some services, it's actually what we spend the majority of our time doing. And so today, I hope to answer why, why that is. If you're new to church, the corporate singing thing might feel a little bit funny. It kind of does feel like low-energy karaoke every Sunday. And, uh, but I think if we think about it, we all agree that singing together is actually a cherished part of our human experience, whether you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or not. And one place we experience this is at concerts. I don't know if you're a concert person. I love a good concert. And one thing I love about concerts is just that feeling uh, of everyone belting out songs together with passion and unity. And we can even sing things of very little consequence, and it can feel somehow deeply meaningful, like, hey, Jude. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. And no matter what age we are, you know, something about it. Um, But then certain songs strike a deeper chord with us. They get everyone singing with a kind of conviction that you didn't know existed amongst the people that were a few minutes ago walking into an arena or a concert hall or whatever. And in these moments, people who can't sing on tune don't care. They sing anyway. They belt it out. Um, My favorite band is Coldplay. They're coming here again. Really looking forward to it. Some of you are as well. And one of the most standout moments I've ever experienced in concert is with 60,000 other people at a Coldplay concert. And the specific moment that always comes back to mind is singing the bridge of their hit song, Fix You. And if you haven't had the pleasure, the words are, when tears stream down your face and you lose someone you can't replace. And you know, At a concert like that, you maybe know a few friends beside you, but not really anyone else. And yet in this simple but profound line through melody, you all of a sudden feel deeply connected to 60,000 other people in like a powerful way. Because you're looking across and going, "This, this song and this moment is connecting us all around a real human experience that we share. What it's like to lose someone and go, I can't get them back. And singing has this unique ability to kind of connect us around things, remind us of things, strengthen us in things uh, in a way that other things don't. Singing is powerful, it's unifying, and you feel it specifically in a corporate setting. And so I think you'll agree that whether you're used to church or not, singing does bond us together. There's a uniqueness about it. And what I find intriguing and beautiful is that God knows this, because God made music. God made it. He knew exactly what he was doing. And so um, 
because he knows that music has the power to unite and stir emotion and direct attention, like he made it to do those things. And so he tells us in his word, not randomly, with purpose, he tells us to do this together as his people. This has been a practice of church history for a long, long time. Scripture actually contains over 400 references to singing and many of which are direct instructions for us to sing together. And so in light of God saying, do this as my people, for the last 2,000 years and longer, God's people have been singing music together as they gather together. And that's happening all over the world, all sorts of different countries and contexts, uh, and all sorts of different styles of music. But nonetheless, there is a singing together that is happening in response to God's invitation, his purposeful invitation for us to sing together. So what I want to walk us through today are five reasons why we sing together in church. Five specific reasons. Uh, and those styles of music have changed and continue to vary. I really do believe that these reasons that I'm going to talk about have existed throughout history and influence our order of service and what we sing each week at the way. And that's part of what we're doing here. We're, we want to actually invite you into what our leaders think about when we think about planning out an order of service. We try to be intentional and purposeful with it. So why do we sing? Here's five reasons why. Firstly, we sing together to glorify God. This is primary. This is primary. We sing together to glorify God. Revelation says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And we have this in mind when we get together and we think about planning a service. Is like there is one in the universe who is always fully deserving to be honored, to be lifted up, to be sung about, to be praised, to have direction uh, pointed towards him. But then you might ask the really good question of what does it actually mean for us to glorify God? Because what it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean as we sing we make him more glorious. He is already glorious without us. With or without our worship, he is and will be glorious forever, ever, whether we sing or not. And we actually see this alluded to in scripture. Jesus says this at one point, speaking of humans and people uh, singing. He says, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. Or in the Psalms, we see the image of the trees of the field clapping their hands to worship God. And this paints this stunning picture that if humans choose not to worship God and praise him for who he is, he would still get the worship because creation would step in and fill the void in worship of the maker. So if he's already glorious and he's, if he's going to get worship one way or another, then what does it mean for us to glorify him? Uh, one of the songs that I'm enjoying, one of the new songs we sing that I like a lot, is called Holy Forever. And the words of the chorus are, and the angels cry, holy. All creation cries, holy. You are lifted high, holy, holy forever. And then the second chorus goes, and your people sing, holy. And I share this to say that glorifying God begins by joining in on a song that's already being sung. Entering a gloriousness that is God, that already is, and it's entering in and agreeing with it. Yet, 
I want to make it clear because I think it's such a beautiful invitation week in and week out that we really do get to be a part of honoring and worshiping the one who's glorious. People often say worship's more than a song. It's more than singing. It certainly is. (laughs) But we also do get to honor and worship him through song. Like as we sing together, we actually have the privilege of honoring God, of declaring who he is. We engage our diaphragms, our mouths, and our bodies. I mean, we really did this morning, you know, actions. And that's part of it. It's engaging our senses, our bodies, our strength even to praise him, to honor him. And as human beings with a measure of faith and real choice, we get to enter in and say, I'm going to be one who praises God in response to who he is and all that he's done. And that's a wild privilege. And it's a privilege we get every week. And when we do it, we beat the rocks to it, you know. Um, And when we sing these songs, we're also living out our calling as God's people. We often ask the question, what's God's call on my life? It's at least this. First Peter, write, or Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so as we praise him, we're actually evangelizing. Thinking again about that question of like, okay, what does it mean for us to glorify God? Part of what it means is just to honor him through our song, but every time we do, we get to tell people and sing out loud in the midst of a city like Vancouver what we believe about God, and way more importantly, what is true about our maker, his character, his kindness. And um, that's... That's something that I often think about as I sing. It's like I'm singing it to him, but then I'm also declaring it into the city, uh, to you, to friends, to one another, all that stuff. Like in a world that doesn't believe God is good, we get to declare that God is good. In a world that is scrambling for a good leader, we get to declare him as righteous king and judge. In a world that's exhausted, we get to declare him as peace and as rest. And one thing we thought that might be helpful today is to actually have, uh, I'm going to jump on the piano a couple of times and actually just sing some of what we sing at the way to do these specific things. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things we do and think about when we're planning a set list, um, you know, this, the only challenge with this is the double mic thing, but I'm going to get it. But, um, When we're planning a set list, we're thinking like off the top, what we want to do is get our attention on God. Like we're coming in with so many things on our mind and so often, you know, we're thinking, what are the songs that are just going to describe who God is that are going to invite us as his people to enter into his gloriousness, to enter into the song that's already being sung by angels, by creation, and that just get to declare what he's like to one another and to the world. And so... You know, we sing songs um, like, You are the everlasting God, the everlasting God. You do not fade, you won't grow weary. And in a culture where everyone's exhausted, we 
remember, we serve the one who never tires. And we sing, you're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. And we sing, you are good, good, oh, you are good, good. We declare that you are kind and you're strong and yet you're humble, God. And what a joy it is, you know, to declare his goodness into the midst of to honor him for who he is. Slow to anger, rich in love. I love the song. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. In God in three persons, blessed Trinity, where our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. And our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. And as we're going to see today, not every song we sing is sung directly to God, which might sound like a bit of a shock, but if you, if you look at the lyrics that we sing week in and week out, they're not all sung directly, but primarily we do want to enter into the song that is about him, that worships him, that honors him, that declares him. And then, you know, we all experience this, the byproduct of singing, which is for the purpose of lifting him up, but God knows what it does to us. The byproduct is that we have our gaze lifted where it needs to be, that we're strengthened in the way that we there's a guy named Bob Coughlin who's written a book called Worship Matters. And it's one of my favorite books on, on worship music in the church. And he says, the problem is we lose perspective easily. So God needs to become bigger in our eyes. I love this. He says, he never changes in size. It just seems that way. Isn't that so, I mean, that's real. That's our experience, isn't it? He never changes in size. It just seems that way. Life does stuff that all of a sudden goes like, I just... I'm not seeing him as I ought to. And then in worship, singing and declaring, honoring him, like it just does something to our hearts. It reminds us who he really is and it puts everything else in perspective. Um, one of my favorite songs is Psalm 121. It's actually, a, uh, comes from a group of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And the people of God would sing these songs as they walked together, as they journeyed together on pilgrimage. And, um, and the psalm goes, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. From where does my help come from? And then they remind their hearts, my help comes from the Lord, <laughs> the maker of the heavens and the earth. And I think that so often as we sing to glorify God, this is what we're doing, at least to ourselves. We're also reminding our hearts that we serve the maker of the heavens and the earth. And what glorifying God often feels like is like we lift our eyes up past the stuff that looms around us. We declare who he is. 
And then as we see him bigger as we ought, we just marvel and stand in the presence of God. And as we do, it puts everything else in perspective. I love that song, and the things of earth grow strangely dim. You know, that's just what happens as we sing. We sing of his greatness and the truth of who he is. To close this point, um, one more song uh, that we sing sometimes. This old Brian Dirksen song, and it goes, One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. And I think singing on a Sunday is a form of choosing him now. And then it's inviting others to do the same. And he's always, he's always worth it. And so, so primarily, primarily we sing to glorify God. And as we do, we're strengthened. And as we do, we evangelize. But there's actually a lot of other reasons why we sing together. And I, th- I hope that this helps our imaginations grow around what we're doing as we sing together in church. Secondly, we sing to get God's truth deep inside of us. Why do we sing on a Sunday? We sing to get God's truth deep inside of us. When we sing, we're actually putting God's truth deep into our minds and our bodies and our spirit. In a lot of church traditions, congregations recite what are called catechisms or creeds. And creeds are statements of faith, things that we believe as Christians. And the most classic creeds are really beliefs held by all Christian denominations. Things like Jesus rose from the dead, like statements that include things like Jesus rose from the dead and he's coming back as judge and savior and God is the creator of the world. And as I was just singing, he's merciful and mighty. He's God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Creeds state things like that to kind of get those truths deep and locked into us. And although as a church, we would love to incorporate saying creeds together more in the future, right now at this point, we do this primarily through song, and we do it all the time, whether you realized it or not. You've probably noticed that lots of songs or parts of songs are not necessarily directed towards God, but are restating God's story and what it all means for us. I'm just going to riff on a a few examples. Well, I love the song, Before the Throne of God, because the sinless Savior died, My sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Uh, King of kings, and the church of Christ was born. Then the spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not yield, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ who's resurrected me, or in Christ alone. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. And this kind of writing and singing is not something modern people came up with. It is inspired by the book of Psalms, which has always been the church's primary book of songs. And so many Psalms, as you study them, think about this, I invite you to, uh, so many Psalms do this, they restate truth and belief. They invite the people of God to, to sing what we believe and then go, yup, that is what's true about me and us and the world, our faith, our God. Many psalms aren't simply prayers as we tend to think of prayer. They are songs that rehearse the truth. Um, I did theater back in the day, and I try to talk about it as much as possible. And, uh, and when we did plays, we would rehearse songs over and over again. 
I am confident, I still know. I played Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof when I was 13 years old, and I'm confident I could still recite 90% of the lines. Um, I know I could perform the hit song Trouble from Music Man for all of you right now with a scary amount of confidence, and I won't be doing that. But I mention it to say that singing sticks, we remember what we sing. James K. Smith says it this way, singing is a mode of expression that seems to reside in our imagination more than other forms of discourse. Partly because of cadence and rhyme, partly because of the rhythms of music, song seems to get implanted in us as a mode of bodily memory. Music gets in us in ways that other forms of discourse rarely do. But not only do we remember what we sing, we are shaped by what we sing. And that's why we sing together in church. It's one of the reasons as we gather. And by singing together when we gather, we're able to insert true ideas deep into our being that end up shaping how we view ourselves, our faith, and our world. And we sing to put Christ-centered thinking deep inside of us that will stick there and will come out when we most need it. We'll find that some of these things like no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever take me away, can never pluck me from his hand. That idea like that will come up when I need to know it. Um, my grandpa was a man who spent his life worshiping God through song. He used to be in a quartet, and he was an amazing harmonizer. And he's actually one of, one, of, one of the key people who helped birth in me a love for singing and for worship. And when my grandpa was dying of Parkinson's disease, um, those were sad days in the hospital, uh, and he could hardly speak, but he would still enter into song as we sang together. And some family members and I remember he would even grab the harmony and sing songs like, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, for he has done great things. He has done great things. Songs come up. They cause us to remember. They remind us what matters. Even in the end, and even this week, I've actually had conversations with some of you who've experienced the same thing with loved ones, able to sing truth even when almost everything else is gone. And for me, this illustrates why good doctrine is far more important than style. Our style will vary at the way. It even varies amongst leaders who lead right now. But what we sing matters a lot. My grandpa used to say that yes, we should sing hymns, because there's some great hymns, but there's also some really bad ones. <laughs> and he didn't mean bad melodies, he meant bad thinking about God and our faith. And that's true about modern songs as well, and some of you are amen in, you know? Um, and so we think carefully about the songs that we sing. And many of the songs we sing at The Way, we sing with the intention of having gospel truths go down deep. Because what we sing unifies us, what we sing teaches us, and what we sing sticks with us. Thirdly, why do we sing as we gather? We sing to help us pray together. Singing often facilitates corporate and personal prayer. And whether we realize it or not, we pray a lot when we sing on Sundays. And our team's aware of this as we plan out each order of service. And I actually, um, I didn't always think about singing as prayer 
or at least I haven't always appreciated it as this, yet the more I study, the more I see that it often is. And we, I mean, prayer is a broad topic. This could be a whole sermon. We pray in all sorts of ways. And as well, we sing all sorts of prayers. I'll, I've, I've put a list, we have a list on the screen. I had little to do with it, actually, just sent the notes. The team uh, made this. And, um, but this, these are some of the, the ways we pray through song. We intercede through song. We confess through song. We lament through song. We ask through song. We get honest through song. We meditate through song. And we encounter God through song. And we consecrate our hearts, like commit our hearts afresh to him through song. Like these are a bunch of ways in which we pray. And I want to jump back on the piano because I think you'll, you'll find like some moments of mini revelation going like, oh my goodness, yeah, we're praying together all the time as we sing. So I mentioned intercession, and intercession is this idea of we're, we're standing on behalf of others. We're praying on behalf of situations, praying for our world, praying for our city. And uh, we have all sorts of songs that are songs of intercession, like, open up the doors, let the music play, and let the street resound with singing and it's almost a guarantee we'll do that one at one of the worship nights this summer and so when we do think like man, i'm praying for the streets of vancouver and not just i'm praying we're praying we're having a prayer meeting as we sing open up the door let the music play let vancouver rejoice in their creator and we sing let there be light Open the eyes of the blind. Purify our hearts in your fire. And breathe on us, we pray, and we sing. God, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. And we sing. I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe, God, would you do it again in our time, Jesus? to rise, cause hearts to rise. And we sing songs of confession. Lord, I come. It's kind of a dead giveaway. I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are one desire. There's been a few times in worship singing that, and I'm like, well, I need to talk to a friend and confess, you know? Like I need to start, just confess to God. Yeah, God, my heart's, I'm not open to you. I've been hiding. 
and, and then it's like share with somebody else. And I'm sorry when I just go through the motions. I'm sorry. And so we confess through song. And then some songs lead us in petition, asking, being honest with God about our longings and desires. You know, many of you know, one of my favorites is that lead us in consecration of going like, I'll give myself afresh. And a lot of people have a harder time with these songs because they can, they can feel dishonest. And I think they only feel dishonest if we misunderstand what we're doing. What we're doing is not saying, I'm gonna be perfect from here on in, Lord. We're not saying that. Um, we're just we're saying, Lord, I will build my life upon your love. Like, you've forgiven me as I come back again and I just decide that is my intention. Spirit, help me. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. To remind our hearts. And I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken or I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. And sometimes we turn back and sometimes we stray. But as we gather, we get to sing songs that go, but this is where I'm going by your grace and by your spirit. And the new one is, I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice, cause you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified. I'll join you in your suffering. I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing. And so we sing one more example as we sing songs that lead us into encounter with God. And you know, in some sense, this is tricky because all these songs lead us into encounter with God. But we actually 
as a leadership team, we often are trying to sing songs that just create space for all of us to encounter the presence of God, to meet with God, to hear from Him. I think about the song. I open up, I open up my heart to you. I open up my heart to you now. Jesus, have your way in me now. Or one of my favorite bridges to go to, often just do the bridge because it's, it's doing this. It's let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Or I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. I just want to be with you, God. I need to know you, God. And so often as people come for prayer ministry on a, on a Sunday, which we'll talk all about next week, we're also praying together for some. Either for others, for our city, for our world, or for our hearts. I almost didn't see or remember about that step. And I'm so thankful I saw it. <laughs> Fourthly, <laughs> there was an address rehearsal, so this is all this. Uh, fourthly, we sing to encourage one another. One of the primary reasons why we sing is we sing to encourage each other. I've faced some incredible challenges this year in my life, and many of you have as well. And in times like these, faith is hard. And there are many days we don't feel like singing. Some of you just never feel like singing because you don't like singing. I'm talking about the days <laughs> we don't feel like it. And maybe today is like that for you. And I know you often see me up here singing with all sorts of passion, veins, you know, burst. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of days I come in and I struggle to sing. And sometimes we struggle to believe, or we just can't quite pick ourselves up. And I was recently studying Hebrews chapter 11, and it's famously called the Hall of Faith. And it mentions all these people of faith throughout history who suffered a lot, and then who still chose God in the midst of their suffering. And uh, Hebrews caps off this beautiful section, just like looking back at all these people that chose God. And it says, so since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. Let's strip off every weight that slows us down. And then it says, let's run the race marked out for us. And thank God for witnesses who've gone before us. Saints like my grandpa. Saints like the ones listed in Hebrews 11. And I was thankful for them the other day. I needed them to be strengthened in my own faith. But we also need witnesses now that we rub shoulders with, that we talk to in small groups, that we have deep friendships with, and that we sing with on Sundays. And the picture I want to invite you into is that when we show up here on a Sunday and hear others sing, it is as if we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. Imperfect people going through the mess of life, yet singing the song of faith in the midst of the mess. And the beauty of community is the deeper you go with people, the more beautiful this song can be. 
Like when you know people's pain, you're moved by their faith all the, all the more. I'm often moved just that someone showed up on a Sunday or in a small group or for a conversation. And as I looked around the room even today in worship, my faith was built up hearing you sing. Like your singing moved me towards Jesus in ways that I needed it. And I don't know if this is your experience of church yet, but our heart for you is that you would come on Sundays and not just hear good songs. Our prayer is that you be moved and strengthened by the faith of this community. And Colossians 3 actually speaks to this idea of encouraging one another through song. Paul writes this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And so when we sing in a room like this, we have the ability to strengthen those around us through our testimony and through our decision to sing. One of the standout moments for me last week hearing uh, Jason and Chris speak was like that mature view of gathering together is to go, who am I coming to this gathering for? Like to not just think like, what is it, you know, is it good for me? But is like, no, it's doing something good in me. That's a perspective I want to have. But who am I showing up for? And I just want to speak it over you. Sometimes you're showing up in the room to sing, even in the midst of your pain, to encourage somebody else and to strengthen them, and to remind them of the faith, and remind them that God is good in the midst of it all. But scripture shows us that some songs aren't just encouraging. Like there's this general sense where we get encouraged uh, through song, but some songs literally exhort us. Like, they, like we're speaking to each other. We're going like, do this. Like we're actually singing to each other. Like if you pay attention, we at times don't sing to God um, as much as we're singing to the hearts of one another, which is maybe a new thought for some. And again, our, um, our backing is the Psalms are full of this language. Let me just riff on a few of them. Sing to the Lord a new song. Hope in God. Delight yourself in the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Sing for joy, you, you righteous ones. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And all these examples are moments not sung directly to God. They're songs sung to one another. And with the Psalms as our guide, we often do this as we sing together when we gather. This is another major reason why we sing together as we gather, gather week in and week out. And when we do, we get to call one another deeper into God. We get to remind one another of who God is. We get to strengthen each other. And we get to exhort one another. Like sometimes I just need, I know it never happens like where Chris is facing me. He's just like, Jer, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. But there is the sense like that's the idea. It's kind of like, you know, you know he deserves it. You know that it's going to be better when you get your eyes on him. And if I'll listen to others, it's like, like church and gathering together can be that for us. It's like, yes, he is worthy. Yes, it is whom him who I need to get my focus on. What I am missing is a coming to him. And so we remind each other of that stuff. And that is such a massive part of what it means to encourage each other. Lastly, fifthly, we sing together to remember. We sing together to remember. We sing to remember what God has done in our lives, and we sing to remember what he has accomplished in history. And one reason we do songs from different eras is that it reminds us of times we've experienced God. Um, I love that we all have favorite songs. 
I mean, I don't know if we all have favorite songs, but I love that we do have favorite songs. But they're often our favorite, not because they're objectively better, but because they represent markers in our faith journey. And I think that's beautiful. When I was in the womb, my mom used to sing as the deer over me. And I, I can hardly sing it or hear it without tears coming to my eyes. And then I was chatting with my buddy Jaden this week, thinking I had a really unique story. And then he's like, my mom used to sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, to me as a kid, and I can't sing it or hear it without crying. And some of you are experiencing God for the first time right now, and new songs we do at The Way might end up being that for you one day. I love thinking about that, because I've done a lot of church services. I just think for someone, Waymaker 20 years from now is going to do that to your heart. Because you go, man, I knew what it was like in that moment, him moving in my midst, in our midst, and touching my heart, and doing something, my, and, and knowing, like, man, he was working. Even when I didn't see it back then, man, was he working, you know, and that song just brings all that up. And so literal, song, literal songs remind us how he's met us, who he has been to us in dark nights, how he's filled our hearts with joy, and how he's drawn us deeper than we'd been before. But then songs are also crafted to help us remember specific things that he's done. Like we sing songs that make us think about our personal and community experience of what God's done. Songs like, I'll sing of all you've done. I'll remember how far you've carried me. Or great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my father, all I have needed, thy hand has provided. Um, Aaron just stepped on stage. We all love Aaron. Uh, Aaron wrote a song, a really simple tag in the middle of COVID, uh, the season of lockdown, and it went, for all you've done and all you're doing and all you will to do, we worship you. And for me, that song was so important because what it did is like we were in a time where I just felt, this is really hard. <laughs> but as we sang it, and it kind of like symbolized the season that we walked through in church planting, I was going, you know what? He has done a lot. And when I didn't feel hope, tons of hope, I was like, no, he is doing stuff now. And in the middle of that, I was like, and so looking back gave me the confidence he's going to keep doing stuff. And he certainly has. And so songs do that for us. But then we also sing songs about what God has done universally in recorded history. And these songs most often center around the cross, which we most often sing as we do communion together. These songs focus us on what happened in history that's changed everything. And I'm thankful for Easter and Christmas and moments in the annual calendar when we're drawn in to remember aspects of our faith with particular focus. But every Sunday is also meant to be that. Moments of drawing us into remembrance. So with that said, I'm gonna invite the communion team uh, to come forward. And we're gonna take communion together as we almost always do. And we're going to sing. And uh, I'm just going to invite the team to lead us uh, by beginning in the song, No Longer Slaves. The bridge of it is a, is a cool thing they've done, the writers have done. It kind of looks back at the exodus where the people of God were delivered, uses some of that language, but then realizes, like, but that's happened in a whole new and better way through Jesus. Like, he's split the sea for us. He's delivered us. And so we're going to remember the way in which he has set us free as we sing. And so I want to invite you to stand. And, um, and I'm going to pray for us.
God, thank you so much for who you are. Thanks that you made singing. (laughs) You made music. And you made it on purpose. And like all of your good gifts, they can be abused. But thanks for the intention you had that one of the things you want to do through music is to use it to galvanize your people together. You want to use it to allow us to enter into who you are, to even honor you. God, thanks that through music, we can be reminded of what's true in the midst of a world that faces so much confusion. We face so many voices and things. Thank you for the way that music lifts our hearts and minds up and reminds us of what's true. Thank you for the way that you use it to encourage us to be the body of Christ, to think about others, to strengthen each other through music. That's so cool. And thank you, Father, that through music we remember. And thank you for the rhythm that is gathering on a Sunday where we get to again and again remember that you're good, remember that you're deliverer, remember that you're savior, remember that you've conquered, remember that the work is finished, remember that there's no power in hell, no scheme of any person on the planet that could ever pluck us from your hand, that you got us. (laughs) And so I ask today as we sing, there'd be like a fresh significance and meaning for it, um, to it for us, and that we'd remember you, and that we'd be strengthened in you. In Jesus' name.